absolutely my salvation. Praise God. Praise God. All right. And, and please do not take this lightly and assume that this is not an important conversation. Of course, uh, nobody who is saved needs to be convinced that they are saved. No, this is not an attempt to convince you that you are saved. This is an invitation for you to examine what you have received to know if what you have received is salvation. And if it is salvation, what we are doing is shining the light um, revelation on what it is that we have received. Having that confidence here, knowing fully that the, the job Jesus did was a perfect work. All right? So last week, we talked about various levels of interaction with the Word of God. That the Word of God, it's possible that all that the Word of God does is that it leaves you informed. You are better knowledgeable, better aware. And we say, well, that is good. We mustn't stay there. And the next level of interaction with God's word is the realm of inspiration. The realm of inspiration is where a lot of people have become comfortable because they find practical tips that they can apply to their lives. So you are interacting with God's word. You are seeing possibilities by the spirit and you're asking yourself, how does this relate to me now? When you're finding out which relates to you, what you are doing is you are drawing inspiration from the word of God. However, we said where God desires for us to be, the real level, realm, where the, where the believer sees maximum results is in the realm of illumination and revelation, where the author, the spirits of the, of the word itself, the, the author is able to whisper that this is what I meant when I said this. This is what I meant when I wrote this. When I inspired the prophet Isaiah, when I wrote through the apostle Paul, this is the mind of the spirit, and that revealed word is able to produce faith, and that is how we do great and mighty works in the earth. Praise God. I said glory to God. All right, so that's a concept I want settled. And we went into the, we, we read about the Galatian church where Paul suggested to them that Christ had been evidently crucified before them. And what he was implying was that the strength of revelation is superior to physical presence. And we're going to pick it up exactly from there this evening by God's grace. It's not going to be lengthy, but it's going to be very, very instructive, very, very important. Please bookmark today's teaching. You might need to go back to it. You might need to send it to someone that you truly love because this is definitely going to bring light and it's going to set somebody free. Somebody say glory to God. All right. So I believe where we ended last week was on the nature of righteousness. And then by the nature of righteousness, we produce acts of righteousness. And then we talked about the nature of sin. And then the nature of sin producing acts of sin. So let's go to our anchor scripture, John chapter 14. Anchor scripture for this entire teaching. And then we'll go to our main text for this evening. John chapter 14, thank you, from verse 1 to 3. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I am not under duress. I am not under compulsion. I do not have any pressure to make you feel good or to tell you what is not true. It says, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Verse 3, verse 3. It says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again 
and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Glory to God. This give, gives me so much joy. He says he's coming back again to take us, that where he is, there we may be also. All right, so Jesus is speaking here with an absoluteness. He's saying there is a place prepared for you. There is a place prepared for me. We are not trying to, you know, just stumble into that place. It's a place prepared. A place prepared. It's a place prepared. And I want you to say this again. I am absolutely sure that there is a place prepared for me in the presence of my Father. Praise God. I said praise God. Okay. Um. Some are wondering, are you not in Canada? Why do you need the Torah? All right. So it's summer here. Very hot. Very, very hot. Praise God. But winter is coming. All right. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, which is our text for this evening. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Thank you. Um, we'll read the first five verses. And I want you to follow, please. I want you to follow today. This is the fulcrum. This is the, the, the crux of this conversation. We'll be wrapping up this series next week, Wednesday, by God's grace. That's because the Upper Wednesday is IGOC, the very first day of IGOC. All right, so I need you to really pay extra attention this evening. Let's read all the way to verse 5. For we know that if our earthly house, all right, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God. So he's talking about tent to tent, house to house, body to body. All right, we have another body. We have another house, a tent. Which So when you are reading in John 14 and you see mansions and many, you can see what the biblical metaphor for house and mansions are. For those who are waiting to see duplexes and bungalows and townhomes in heaven. All right. For we know that this is our earthly house. This tent is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. Let's go on. It says, for in this we groan. That means in this body, in this current tent, in this current expression, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation. Somebody say habitation. Not somebody say, I need you to say this, please. Somebody say habitation. That means it is your dwelling. This is your home address. This is not where you visit. This is not where you stumble into. I need this to really sink and stick. Earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. Hmm. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. Verse 4. <coughs> Excuse me. For we who are in this tent grown, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further, for the clothes that mortality might be swallowed up by life. Mortality might be swallowed up by life. Let's go to verse 5. He says, now he who has prepared for us, you can see this again, he who has prepared for us, this very thing is God who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. We've received the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. Father, thank you for the illumination of your Spirit this evening. I ask the light dawns, we are instructed, we are transformed by your word in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. All right, let's dive into it. Verse 5 tells us that the Spirit of God has been given as a guarantee. Now, there is a tendency for people to misinterpret this scripture, to say that, now, what this guarantee means is basically it's a down payment. It's a promissory note. It's a promissory note. So many people erroneously think that what this means is that our salvation is not fully paid for. 
because only a down payment was made and you will be absolutely mistaken and absolutely wrong. So let's talk, we are talking about two, Spirit of God help us this evening. Your, so first thing is that I want you to understand that the price for your salvation has been fully paid for. We have salvation, all right? We've received that gift of salvation by grace, we've received it through faith, all right, in the complete work that was done by the blood of Jesus. It was a full payment, all right? And I need you to say that a couple of times with me this evening. Say, it was a full payment that was made for my sins. This is simple, this is basic, but this has huge consequences, all right? Because our task master that we were delivered from. The kingdom that we were pulled out from is not a kingdom that plays by the rules. So that if you are not aware that your payment has been made in full for you, it is possible for you to be sent invoices. For you to be sent invoices. I don't know if someone is getting it. For you to be sent invoices requesting for additional payment. And guess what? If you want more payment, there's more blood. And we plead and release the blood over all such situations. So I need you to say this again. The blood paid for me in full. Glory to God. I said glory to God. It's a full payment. It's a full payment that was made for our salvation. However, however, what this scripture is saying is that, and I need you to get this, all right, because we are going to go into the matter now. What, what the scripture is saying is that the, the deposits that you received in your spirit will find expression only when it is rolling with its own squad. I don't know if you get this. I don't know if you get this. Um, um, Spirit of God, help us. I'm, I'm trying to find a way to break it and make it ultimately simple. Ultimately simple. So, let's go back to where we wrapped up. At creation, God made Adam, the first man, made in the image and in the likeness of God. He had the nature of righteousness and he was able to produce good works. All right, such that everything he did, God considered it as good. Everything he did, God considered it as good. And then the fall happened. What happened at the fall, amongst other things, was that the nature of righteousness was taken away. We received a nature of sin. A nature of sin. Thereby, that nature of sin is able to produce acts of sin in us. In sin did my mother con me in sin where we conceived in sin in sin and then Christ came all right to restore us back to fellowship with the father and what Christ did was he made a full payment and reinstated the nature of righteousness so that we are now able to produce works not just any kind of works that are measured on the scale of good or bad that is morality all right, morality is the strength of religion. This is not religion here. This, we are talking relationship. All right, Christ has reinstated in us that nature of righteousness so that we can produce works that the Father will consider good, righteous. He says, I'm pleased. I am pleased by this. All right, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Are you still with me this evening? So the nature of righteousness is the only nature 
that can produce acts of righteousness. I'm going to say that again. The nature of righteousness is the only nature that can produce acts of righteousness. Every other thing, whether you call it good, whether I call it bad, whether I call it altruistic, whether I call it amiable, whether I call it philanthropic, charitable, excellent, we can use all the adjectives in the word to describe it. If it is a product of a nature of sin, it is still reckoned as unrighteousness. And I need this to sink in because some of you have got friends who are good people, all right, they give to the poor, and maybe some of them even pay tithes, they donate, they give alms, they are just, they are good people by, by our standard of goodness, but they are not born again, all right? And all of those good works, the Bible calls it unrighteousness. They are doing good things, but God is not interested in morality. What God is searching for is the nature of Christ and the righteousness that comes and is imputed by Christ alone. Some of them are getting good results by following life's principles. But it doesn't mean that they are right in standing with God, which is righteousness. I need you to get this this evening. I wrote this down in my notes. I said, life responds to principles. Anyone who plays by the rules of the game will achieve results. If you give, you will receive. That's not proof that you are producing fruits of righteousness. All right? But salvation responds to righteousness. Life responds to principles. Salvation responds to righteousness. You can do all the, you can donate and create all the wonderful vaccines in the world. You can feed all the poor people in wherever. All right, there are poor people all over the world, okay? So that scrap of poor people in Africa. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You can do all of those good things. But it is unrighteousness. The nature of righteousness is what produces acts of righteousness. The nature of sin will always produce acts of sin. Praise God. Praise God. Okay, let's go a step further. And then we'll go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Because what happened when we became born again, what happened was that we received the Spirit of God. All right, our spirit was rebirthed. And we'll see that in John chapter 3. I will get there shortly. We'll get there. All, so when you become born again, your body does not change. When you become born again, your mind does not change. When you become, when you become born again, your spirit is born afresh, brand new. I'm going to say that again. When you become born again, let me, let me, okay, let me just help you understand this. If you were tall... When you were a non-believer, you will still be tall. All right? Now that you are born again. If you are light-skinned, you still be light-skinned. If you were whatever it was in the physical, you would still be. Although the difference now is that your spirit, your rebirthed, reborn spirit, now has the capacity to influence those other areas. I will get to that. So, the day you become born again, you receive a brand new, regenerated spirit. Same body, same mind. Now, what this means practically, I will share with us a story, true life story that I read, of a particular young lady who left home. She was meant to be from a good home. She left home and then got involved with some very 
funny groups of people. She started doing drugs. She did all sorts of drugs from sniffing and inhaling to injecting and needles, all right? She slept around just to make ends meet so that she can afford another dose. She lived a very terrible life for, for a long time. And then she had people praying for her. She had people praying for her. And there was a day she was walking by a building, and there were a group of believers, a group of believers there holding hands together, just praying, just praying and having a prayer meeting. And she felt a need to just go there. So she went in there, saw what was going on there, and by the unction of the Spirit of God, just started speaking in tongues as those people were praying in tongues. Now, someone is saying, wow, just like that, this lady who was just literally this morning, like we are not talking of last week, literally this morning just took a, a shot of Coke or MJ. Praise God. Someone is saying, what's MJ? I was going to say wrong answers only, but all right. Okay, so, I mean, just like literally just now. And then she's in there. Is, is she faking it? How can the Holy Spirit come on this, on such a person? She didn't even, now, for some of you who are verifying and vetting like a forensic pathologist, you know, investigating what I've just said, you're saying, well, we did school of the Spirit and we were taught by PD. And PD said, before you receive the gift of the Spirit, you have to be born again first. So when did she become born again? When did she say the sinner's prayer? All right. When did she say, when did she repeat after the pastor? Some of you are wondering. She's not even born again. She's faking it. Hello. 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 So what happened? Let me tell you what happened very quickly. What happened was that she believed in the Christ. She believed in the Christ. She received the gift of salvation. A spirit had been prepared by intercession. She allowed her faith to manifest, and she received the gift of the Spirit. Someone is saying scripture, 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 scripture. Back it up, back it up. So I'll give you two instances in scripture where they did not repeat the sinner's prayer. Two instances where they, they, they bypassed protocol, went to believing, went to believing. Bible tells us in Acts chapter 10, we will get there, all right? We're going to read because there's something deep there, all right? When Peter was invited to preach to Cornelius and his household, this was a Gentile nation, remember? Never circumcised, never kept Sabbath, never ate kosher, never been to its, a, 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 a synagogue, never interacted with the Torah in terms of the authorized scripture at the time, never, all right? They received the word of God. The Bible says while Peter was preaching, he had not gotten to altar call, while he was preaching, they saw, this was every confirmed, the spirit of God descended on them and they began to speak in new tongues. They believed in their hearts. Let me tell you, if you are going to confess with your mouth and not believe with your heart, you are not saved. Number two, the criminal on the cross. He saw Jesus and he reckoned, this, this, this is not just, this guy is not in our, he's not even meant to be here. I reckon, I discern that indeed you are the Messiah. Jesus said, I see your faith. You don't have to repeat the prayer. This, this day, you are with me. You are saved. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Are you still with me this evening? So this is very, very important. Very, very important. The, so let's break this down now. Let's break this down. And let's break this down. Um, let's break this down. Let's read Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let's read Hebrews 4, 16. Let's go to Hebrews 4, 7, 25. 
and then we'll now break this down. We'll walk it step by step. I, I, I think I was being too, too fast. It says, let, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. All right. So the, this scripture is telling us here that if it was a down payment made, then we can't come boldly. We can't come boldly. It, it was a full payment that was made for my salvation. It was a full payment that was made for your salvation, all right? The deposit of the Spirit is a guarantee for the new tent, the new habitation. And we are going to get there shortly. All right, please take me quickly to Hebrews chapter 7. Let's scroll down to 25. Thank you. It says, therefore, this high priest of ours, Hebrews 7 is a beauty, in fact, the entire book of Hebrews is a beautiful, beautiful, it's so beautiful that theologians are not agreeing on who the author is. Many people say it has to be the Apostle Paul. It's just, and don't ask me what I think wrote it. It's not important. I think the Holy Spirit wrote Hebrews. I think you should study, meditate it, and be blessed. Praise God. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost. He is able to save completely those who come to God through him, those who come to God through him. Let me tell you, no matter how diplomatic, no matter how inclusive, no matter how nice, no matter how interfaith you want to be, the reality of God's word. I, I don't know, it, you might call yourself a pastor, a preacher, the reality of God's word. You might just be a nice neighbor, you're trying to be a nice friend. The reality of God's word is that Jesus is not a way. Jesus is not one of many ways. Jesus is the way. You might, funny thing is, you might actually be a better behaved person. A better behaved person. A more reasonable human being. You might be. Alright? And kudos to you. Glory to you. But it is not righteousness. Jesus is not one of many ways. He is not an option. He's not a nice to have. If your goal is salvation, if, you're, if, if, if you are going to be reckoned as righteous, all right, with that absolute certainty, he says, I am the way. I am not a way. I am not one of many ways. I am not an airline. You know, then there are other airlines wherever the same. That is new age occultic doctrine. It is not the teaching of Jesus. If you've embraced it, please repent today. Jesus is not one of many ways. Our religion is not love. Just do good, be nice, you know. That's, that's not getting no one anywhere. It's going to get people very quickly and very fast to hell. This is not being judgmental. This is what the scripture teaches. And the Bible tells us that God doesn't even want anyone there. He doesn't want anyone there. Praise God. Are you still with me this evening? Ah. He's able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Seems he always lives. To make intercession for them. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. Praise God. Praise God. Okay, so let's dissect this a bit now. Let's dissect this a bit now. Let's dissect this a bit now. I, I was tempted to say something that I will be sharing with us very soon, but I think we might just have to share it. It's amazing. I've been having a lot of questions that I've loved, you know, people in the room, and it's going to happen soon by God's grace. You'll be regarding in person. Um, maybe someone will have gotten a good gift to answer this question, this next question. And I can't even do it via the chat. 
because some are on YouTube, some are on Facebook. We need to check the time. Who answered it first? You know, someone said, Pastor, you are big. You know, everybody that gets it right. The only issue now is if you are like me and you know who is most likely to get it. You don't even have to think. You just copy the answer, paste it. Praise God. All right. So, when God created man, God spoke man into existence and God blessed man. If you had come to check, you wouldn't have seen anything or anyone you could touch. In Genesis chapter 2, having spoken him into existence, the Bible tells us that God rolled his sleeves. Put his hands dirty. Formed man. Gave him a body. So while some we think that what was first made was the body of man, and then God breathed his life, he now became a living spirit. You are not getting the order right. The order is that God spoke the man into existence. His spirit existed. God formed the man, and God now breathed into his spirit. All right. So, what that is telling us, I know this is very popular in a lot of church circles, that we are spirit, soul, body, spirit, soul, body. That is absolutely correct, even though the way it is explained is not very accurate. But we are not here to determine accuracy. We are here to focus on God's word and how it pertains to those areas of us. If indeed I am essentially spirit, all right, I am spirit. This body you are seeing is body, is just body, all right? It is body, it is dust. One day, if Jesus tarries, glory to God, all right, one day it's going to return. But the spirit is, it, is going back to its maker, all right? And it's been said as, we are spirit beings. We live in a body. You can see from 2 Corinthians 5, Paul refers to it as a tent. It's like a suit, a caging. It's, it's just the way you, you will not enter into a spaceship and attempt to navigate zero gravity just wearing your suit and your tie. You are going to need a suit that is permissible in that realm, in that existence. In the same way, on this side of eternity, for us, to be legitimate spirit beings, not illegitimate frolics. <laughs> All right, we need this body. And that is what it is. It is a casing that gives our existence here legitimacy. All right, so we have the spirit established. We have the body established. The soul is the bridge. It's the, it's the realm of the mind that informs and allows exchanges to happen. Based on who is feeding what. If your flesh is in charge, it is poisoning and getting your spirit to a depraved state. If your spirit is in charge by virtue of the mind, it is getting your body prepared up for its eventual habitation. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. It says, Now may the God of peace, this is Paul writing, the apostle Paul. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Somebody say completely. All right. I think some people just got tired. All right. Come back, come back, come back, come back. All right. So let's do this again. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Breaking down what it means by completely. And may your all spirit. So the wholeness of me is my whole spirit, my soul, 
and my body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say completely. Somebody say completely. Praise God. We have a discipleship manual we use here, KICC. And I love the way it says this. It talks about positional sanctification, progressive sanctification, and perfect sanctification. But I'm going to really, really, really break it down for us um, this, this evening by God's grace. Over the few minutes um, that we have left to study God's word. All right, so it says that the whole complete package that God has for us is not um, an incomplete package that guarantees the safety of your spirit but does not make plans for your mind and for your body or that guarantees the salvation of your mind, of your souls, all right, without the, a plan for your body. And we've read about the plan for the body in 2 Corinthians 5. So we're going to break it down. The, the, this, this concept of being saved, this concept of salvation, what exactly happened? When did it happen? What is happening? What will happen? All right. And I want you to stay tuned as we break this down. Next week, by God's grace, I want to whet your appetite now. You cannot afford to miss next week. We're going to be answering, and it's the final installment in this series. Next week, Wednesday, if Jesus tarries, we're going to be answering that big question, that big elephant, all right, is that what is eternal salvation? What is eternal salvation? Is it true that if I am saved once, I am permanently saved? All right, that's the first question we will answer next week. The other question is, what does it mean to rededicate my life if indeed my salvation is a union like a, the way the, the word calls us the bride of christ so what's rededication are you saying when i sin god divorces me then when i repent he remarries me what exactly is rededication we're going to answer that next week is it possible to backslide is it possible for a believer to backslide we're going to answer that next. some some people have already prayed pastor please Teach something else. It's too early. The ministry is young, right? But the truth is not young. Glory to God. The truth of God's word is ancient. Ancient words, ever true. Changing me and changing you, we have come with open hearts. Oh, let the ancient words impart. Praise God. Praise God. I said praise God. All right. So the moment you give your life to Christ... Or on the day you gave your life to Christ. Or the sister I spoke about in the story I shared earlier. All right. That moment where she believed and then subsequently she received the gift of the Spirit and spoke in new tongues. All right. That moment when you become born again, what happens is that you have received a rebirthing of your spirit. And that is an event that happens at what we call the salvation experience. It requires you to believe in your heart. It requires you to receive that gift of grace by faith. It requires you to reckon, finally, all right, that it is not my good works that will get me anywhere. It is not how much I've donated to charities. It is not how much people feel I am a good person. But you look at him, you reckon the Christ. In that moment, this is not a long event. This is a serious, serious recognition of Christ as the perfect sacrifice for you. And you receive that gift of salvation by faith. Your spirit 
is rebirthed. Let's go to John chapter 3, verse 4. A famous conversation between Jesus and a Jewish scholar, a Jewish teacher, all right, by the name of Nicodemus. There's a song we used to sing when I was in children's department. You know, some of these songs stick for life. Um, so it's difficult for you to not even know what this conversation was about. Anybody knows the song? Jesus came to Nicodemus. You must be born again. We sang this as kids. And then we'll go, you must be born again. You must be born again. You must be born again. Glory to God. All right. So, yes, Jesus came to Nicodemus and said, you must be born again. Verse 4. Nicodemus said to him. No, let's stay there for a second. How can a man be born when he is old? So, Nicodemus' assumption was that Jesus was speaking about the body. He didn't know that Jesus was speaking at this point about the rebirthing of the spirit of man and the taking away of that nature of sin and an infusing of a possibility, all right, that nature of righteousness, powered by the spirit of God, able to produce works that the father considers pleasing to him. How can a man, how can a woman, even if it's a newborn baby, like literally just came out, we can't push this child back in. He's saying, how can one be born when he is old? How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Verse 5, glory to God. Jesus answered most assuredly, verily, certainly, of a truth. All right, I say unto you, unless one is born of water, and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Glory to God. Verse 6, it says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Come on, say this. I am born of the Spirit. I am born of the Spirit. Glory to God. So this actually happened when you gave your life to Christ. When you gave your life to Christ, your body might look the same. Your mind might look the same, but you've received a regenerated spirit. That is what happens to you at your salvation. Remember, God is able to sanctify you completely, wholly, your own spirit, your soul, and your body. So the salvation of the spirit is an event. It happens at what we call salvation, and you can reckon yourself saved. At that moment, the Father is pleased with you. At that moment, he doesn't see you. He sees Christ, a perfect sacrifice. And then he gives you his spirit. Full payment for your sin, he gives you his spirit as a deposit that your sanctification will be whole. Are we getting this now? So he's saying, I won't stop at your spirit. I am going to sanctify you with water. I have given you my spirit. I am going to ensure the salvation of your souls. All right? And I am going to guarantee giving you a new body because this one we've got here, it can't leave, it can't leave where we are going to. This, this flesh here that is prone to disease, that is prone to corruption, this flesh that is prone to manipulation, he says, I've got to get you guys a new suit. I've got to get you a new habitation, one that is incorruptible. Then, you experience the life of the Spirit. Of the spirit. To the full, praise God. John, Acts, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10. I think I referred to this before. Yep, you don't need to put it on the screen. Or maybe, maybe we should. 
Maybe we should put it on the screen. Let's just read from verse 46. If Oh, thank you. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. Just leave this. Leave this. Leave this on the screen. Or put a mark there for those who are watching at home. Just note, note this scripture in your Bible. Acts chapter 10. Let's remember what is happening here. The Bible tells us that Peter preached a wonderful sermon from verse 34 to verse 43. He preached, in fact, they didn't allow him to get to the end of his sermon. All right, this is an interest. I, I, I can't wait to start preaching this kind of sermons where you're just talking and then the Spirit of God takes over. That service closed. Service closed. You're, you're what, what are your notes? When the job has been done, you close the book. You allow the Spirit of God. Have, so Peter didn't have an opportunity to finish this sermon. All right, the people were born again. The people got saved. The people were born again immediately. They were still Gentile. They did not become circumcised in the flesh, but their hearts had received a circumcision by receiving the word of God. Praise God. I said, praise God. Are you still with me this evening? Now, beyond the salvation of your spirit, which is an event that happens by faith, which is an event that happens by faith, the Lord expects that you and I will go and permit a complete sanctification by what is called in scripture the salvation of your souls the salvation of your souls the salvation of your souls if you can put it up for me romans chapter 12 and verse 2 the salvation of your souls the salvation of your souls the renewing of your mind the spirit you've now received as its own mind pattern, its own view, its own approach, all right, that will allow the Spirit to have full expression of the will of the Father. He says, do not be conformed to this world. The Spirit you now have in you is no longer, that flesh is dead. That old man is dead. That, that, old, that old person is the one who is conformed to the world. He says, you've received a new spirit. He says, be metamorphosed, be transformed how? by the renewing of your mind, by the salvation of your souls, by the renewing of your mind. So, so such that if, so let's go back to the example of this lady who has now become born again, who has now spoken in tongues. All right, she, she cannot stop there. <laughs> she can't stop there because the urge to take marijuana will still be there. The urge to take cocaine will still be there. Boy, she saved. Guess what? Guess what? The urge to smoke another stick, very much going to be there. The urge to take another injection, the urge to go back to our partner's place, it will still be there. All right, but. There is a process called the renewing of your mind where you tell yourself, this is how the world does it. I have now received a new spirit. I have now received a new spirit. So the mind renewal process is a subjection of the will to the word. Where you allow the word of God shape your thoughts, shape your expectations, shape your worldview. Everybody is having premarital sex. That is the standard of the world. The standard of scripture is different. My mind is renewed. We have ladies moving into their boyfriend's house. They, they say they are living together. They are planning for their future. They are trying to save costs. They are doing this, doing that. Great. All the great reasons you have. But it is a confirmation to the way of the world. The, 
The standard of scripture isn't a rule book. It's a revelation of the will and the mind of the Father. It comes to you by the renewing of the mind. And let me tell you, Jesus says, my yoke is light. It won't feel like a burden. You will do it with joy because there is grace available. You feel, you see the cigarettes again, you that you couldn't, someone couldn't smoke in your vicinity. Suddenly, you have no interest in that anymore. Absolutely no interest in that cigarette. Why? Because your mind has been renewed. This is not you saying, I'm not smoking. I'm not smoking. No, 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 no. That's that you will get you will get drained out. This is you saying, I will allow the word of God to renew my mind. I will subject myself to the washing of the word, to the washing of the word, washing away of the world's expectations, washing away of the world's patterns, washing away of the world's way, and a submission to his own way and to his will. Hmm. Can I just say something very quickly? Can I say something quickly? When we confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and I'll just say this once because of time, because if I go in this route, when you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when you confess him as Savior, you are testing to the fact that your spirit is saved. When you confess him as Lord, what you are really saying is that I am submitting my way and receiving your way as Lord. Lord is the one to whom we say yes to. Lord is the one to whom we accept his way and his will as right. All right. It takes a renewed mind to say Jesus is Lord. It takes the Holy Spirit to say Jesus is Lord. Not just to say it, I mean anybody can say it. All right. But it takes the Spirit of God. Someone just got that light. Like it takes the Spirit of God. It, it, it takes the Spirit of God to be able to say it that Jesus is Lord. To say it in a way that it is true. That Jesus is Lord. Praise God. I said, praise God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 27. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 27. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So is this not marriage seminar? He's talking about Christ and his church using a metaphor. Let's go to verse 26. Verse 26, all right? It says that he might sanctify and cleanse her. Now, this is already his bride. This is already his church. She became his bride by the washing of the blood, by the salvation of the spirit received. He says now that that saved bride will receive sanctification and cleansing with the water, all right, with the washing of water by the word. Now, yeah, let's go on, let's go on. That he might present her to himself, a glorious church. Not a church that says, this is my opinion, I know this is what the Bible says, but this is what the, the Bible was not written in my day. It was not written in my time. The Bible doesn't factor in that we are millennials. The Bible doesn't factor in that we have Omorans moving, you know. The Bible. A glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives. As their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. I like the way the Bible just gives you a, a tick. You are doing it for yourself. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Washing of the word. Now, please take me back to Acts 10 48, if you can. And I'll show you something here. When Peter pe preached to this Gentile audience, after they received the word, the Spirit of God came as confirmation. They were speaking in tongues. Every, this, see, 
documented, not Peter reporting. He says those who were with him, all right, heard and saw. These guys were not faking it. The spirit, they said, ah. Peter said, now I know God is not a respecter of persons. We saw them. We, this is not, we saw them. The salvation of their spirits, an event one time, but this renewing of their mind, a process, a process, a process, a process, a process. He says, Peter commanded them to be baptized, public display or public confirmation, reckoning, identifying with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. That's what baptism means in the name of the Lord. He says, then they asked him to stay for a few days. So they started the process of their mind renewal. They said, we can't just allow him to go like this. He can't go. He can't go. He needs to stay with us. We have questions. We need the word. We need washing. We need cleansing. We need washing. We need cleansing. We need washing. We need cleansing. We need to receive mind renewal. We need, we need, he can't go. Some people got born again and just grew wings. It just flew. Boom. I'm saved. Going to heaven. I think my pastor said, I'm, I'm now forever saved. He did not allow the word to wash them. He did not allow cleansing. So we said that the, the rebirth of the spirit is an event, instantaneous, a gift received by faith. The renewing of your mind is a process, all right, by the washing of the word. And then the eventual salvation of our bodies, the receiving of a new suit. God's work for us, God's package for us is a complete package. It is many people stay in one place and they run with it. And I'm going, to, I'm going to get to that next week by God's grace. Because a picture, and I'm going to preempt myself a bit, a picture of our salvation is the deliverance, all right, how God translated his own out of Egypt into the new. Out of Egypt into the new. Now, the crossing of the Red Sea was an irreversible point in that process. If it was a chemical reaction, all right, it will be said that this is not a reversible reaction. There is no way, absolutely no way. Now, number one, God won't redivide the Red Sea for them to go back. So if anyone was insistent on going back, they would have to buy boats or create ships or maybe get a, a jet. Or, or The only way they could go back was in their mind, and they did. Not everybody who left entered. So maybe I've answered part of next week's question. But let's go on. Let's go on. They asked him to stay a few days. The renewal of the mind. Then the consummation of the body. The consummation of ah, glory to God. Can you imagine a body? A body that won't grow old. A body that can't be sick. A body that, that you don't need to go to the gym for. Glory! A body that just worships and lives in a perpetual state of, of, of vitality. A new habitation of perfection. Where the Spirit of God on our inside receives maximum expression. A new body. First John chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. As we begin to tie this up. First John chapter 3. Thank you. It says, Behold, we sang this song on Sunday. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Exclamation like, big deal. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Let's go all the way down to verse 3. It says, Beloved, now. <laughs> He says, now, now, we are children of God. Now, our spirits have been reborn. Now, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. So, he's saying, there's something else. He said, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. 
the body he has, we will have that same body. He says, for we shall see him as he is. Verse 3. Verse 3. He says, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he's pure. You know, this scripture is a, I don't know what theologians call it. This scripture is a litmus test scripture. This scripture says, if you hear that Jesus is coming, if you hear that Jesus is coming soon, or you know the way we say it in Christendom, rapture is happening soon. If that thought gives you fear, this is your litmus test. I'm not saying if it makes you say things like, oh, I wish I could get married first, you know. All right, those, those are just worldly. I mean, I was there before, all right. I was in that camp. Do not deliver me from that camp. For as many who desire to be saved, I do not will deliver you also in Jesus' name. All right, but there's something more than marriage. Something more than the joy of marriage. It says, everyone who has this hope, in him purifies himself just as he is pure. He's pure. That's your litmus test. How does the thought of the coming of Christ make you feel? I'm not, I'm not saying you are tired of this world. You know, there are those who are tired. It doesn't mean they're excited to see Jesus. They just want it to end. That's that is not what we're talking about. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And you know, at KICC here, we preach a whole, whole truth, whole gospel. It doesn't mean we fold our hands. Jesus is coming. He just says, he's coming. No, he, when he comes, the master, he, the one who the master will see working, taking dominion, all right, subduing. And then he says, guys, good job, let's go. And then we leave. Not that we left already before leaving. Praise God. Praise God. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 3. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 3. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 3. So the salvation of your spirit happened the day you got saved. The renewing, the salvation of your souls happens by a process of renewing your mind. That is really what confirms that Jesus is Lord over your life. He's already your Savior. He died for you. He shed his blood for you. He's made full payment. All right? All right? Absolutely. All right? But the renewing of your mind the subjection of your will. There is no such thing as an opinionated Christian. It doesn't exist. We don't have opinions. We have scripture. Oh, what do you think about the LGBT? I don't, have, I don't think anything. My opinion is not important. What does scripture say? What does scripture say? I think the church needs to get back to this place. What does scripture say? Oh, uh, uh, under, under some circumstances, will it be okay for me to leave, all right, with my girlfriend, you know? What do you think? And somebody say, well, it depends. That's the language of a lost generation. It depends. You go to scripture. That is what it means to have a Lord. Second Corinthians 5.3. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. He's saying this body doesn't end here. For we, thank you, you can go on. He says, for we who are in this tent, grown, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but for the clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Imagine a body that has life. I'm, you know, I, I studied the human body. I did anatomy. I did physiology. I did pathology. I did all those logies. And I'm trying to imagine a body that the program is towards life, not towards death. Let me tell you something you might not know. Cells in your body are constantly being renewed. It's, it's, it's a cycle of apoptosis, regular cell death. Cell renewal. When the death process gets maneuvered, there's a lot of disease conditions there. I'm now thinking a body that is swallowed up by life, that the program of the cells is towards life. Wow. Wow. We really need to be more passionate with evangelism. A lot of us don't believe Jesus is coming. 
We are not interested in telling anyone. We are not, we are not, we are not on fire to tell anyone because we are subconsciously maybe, maybe, maybe he's not really coming. He's coming back again. All right. Praise God. Praise God. First Corinthians chapter 15. Let's read verse 51 to 57. We read one more scripture and then we'll pray. I trust that you've been blessed this evening. The salvation of your spirit was an event. You are saved. The renewing of your mind is a process of you exposing yourself to the world, to the word, pardon me. By you not being conformed to the world, but exposing yourself to the word and allowing the word to shape your worldview, the renewing of your mind, the washing with water, the cleansing by the word, all right, and then the eventual, eventual salvation of our bodies, which is not a, not a fixing of your body, but it's a replacement. We are putting off the old and we are putting on the new. And then God says, I've given a down payment. If you have my spirit, it is proof that I am committed to going all the way. Question is, are you? Are you committed all the way? 1 Corinthians 15, thank you. It says, behold, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep. I like the way Paul doesn't even dignify the word die or death. He says we shall not, when he's talking about believers, he says we won't all sleep. We won't all sleep. He says, but we shall all be changed. He's saying that for the believer, death is not death, it's not an end. It's a translation. It's a transportation. He says we shall all be changed. Let's go on, please. Let's go on all the way down to 57. 57? Yes. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, it says, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed, we shall be transformed. It says, for this, this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. All right, this is the context. He says, so when this corruptible has put on incorruption, glory to God, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? You thought that was the end. That is not the end. Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. Ah, I hope someone is seeing this. The sting of death is sin. Once that nature of sin is gone, you are impossible to die. I don't know if you are getting this. That's bad English, but please just get it. And the strength of sin is the law, verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God, who is not just able to save our spirits, is able to have our minds renewed by his word, and is able to consummate, guarantee the full, complete sanctification of us. Glory to God. Thanks be to God, who gives us the victory. Thanks be to God, who gives us the victory. Thanks be to God, who gives us the victory. Thanks be to God, who gives us the victory. Thanks be to God who's giving us the victory over sin. He's giving us the victory over the way of the world. He's giving us the victory over the method of the cosmos, over the spirit of the age, the what, what philosopher, philosophers call the, 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 the mind of a, of a generation, the, the, 
There's a German word for it. I don't just want to, to, to misdirect you. Let's stay on, on focus. That's, he's able to shield us, all right? And he's able to present us to himself. That's righteousness. Present us to himself. It's not a ceremony where he's wondering what he's, he's the one presenting us to himself. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah, bring it up a bit. You have won the victory. For death could not hold you down. You are the risen King. You seated in majesty. Oh, you are the risen King. Father, we want to thank you for your word. I want to pray for as many under the sound of my voice. You know you are not saved. What? Let me tell you what you've done. You fixed your behaviors. You fixed your language. You sound like a Christian. You behave like a Christian. In your opinion, you are probably even better than a lot of so-called Christians. But you know you are not saved. You know you are not saved. You know you are not born again. How to pray with you this evening. That pretense won't last you. It won't get you anywhere. It won't get you anywhere. It won't get you anywhere. How to pray for you. Someone else is saying, Pastor, I know I am born again. But the depths, the depths I've gone to, I struggle. I still find myself wanting to open that page on my computer. I still find myself needing to visit or revisit those old contacts. Those old friends. I still find what you need is a renewal of the mind. You need the Lordship of Jesus to be made evident in your life. That is what you need. So, Pastor, please pray with me. This prayer is not a prayer for a one. The renewal of the mind is an ongoing, progressive washing with the Word. The Word of God is living. It's alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's continuous cleansing. Nobody wakes up tomorrow and say, I took a bath yesterday. Took a bath yesterday. I'm fine. No, no. There's fresh, fresh stench for each day. So you continue to do that. You, we continue to because the the, the 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 world we are exposed to is aggressively poisoning our mind. It's subtle. Sometimes it's subliminal. We constantly, continuously renew our mind with the word. Things are being programmed to us. Programmed to us. Directly, indirectly, consciously, unconsciously, through our music, through the adverts, through the systems. But we continually renew our mind with the word. I want to pray for you, for a grace for you to receive the Lordship of Jesus. That it will not be your will, that's your strong will. It will melt at the altar of surrender. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm led also to pray for someone. You're trusting God for a healing in your body. You've heard today's message. And the devil is lying to you that your body is going to get worse. Until your body is renewed. And I'm here to tell you that's a lie. That's a lie. For when our minds are renewed by the word, we will find the truth in the word, even about our body on this side of eternity. 
So that disease today is the last day. Did you hear me? That disease today is the last day because the Bible, let me tell you, the same word that renews your mind, all right? It says that your body, your body, this one, not the new one, is the temple, the shrine of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, there is no room for strangers. There's no room for strangers. There's no room for disease. There's no room for infirmity. When they brought the sick to Jesus, Jesus didn't say, wait till you receive a new body. He healed all their diseases. And there is no disease permitted to stay under the sound of my voice. In the mighty name of Jesus, all such chains over the minds of God's children are broken in the mighty name of Jesus. For these words have been paid for in full, in full, in full. Therefore, Satan, the blood rebukes you. The blood is against you. We rebuke you. We stand against you in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for your sons and your daughters who are today submitting to you, acknowledging their sin and their need for a Savior, believing in your work, the perfection of the work you've done for them. I ask that your life will engage them, that their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that today their spirits are reborn. Today they are born again. Today they receive that gift of righteousness. They are able to bring forth fruits that are pleasing unto you. Thank you, Father, because you've done it. For in Jesus' name we are so praying. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by the sermon. And if you would love to be a part of what God is doing in our midst, feel free to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. To be a part of the giving, you can give our email at info, I-N-F-O, at K-I-C-C-Canada.ca or through our website at www.kicccanada.ca slash donate. God is doing amazing things in our midst and we look forward to seeing you soon. Remember, you are a champion. God bless you.